Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I suspect that in biblical times, a manger would have been made with mixed clay and straw. It might have been some stones that were held together with mud. Our modern depiction is a few pieces of wood put together in a, in a very simplistic way to make a small feed trowel. It is simple. But both designs serve the same purpose. There is only one to make it easier to be fed, a manger, to nourish the life that is before it, to feed, to satisfy. That's it. I came, maybe it's social media, but I came across a, a quote that I, this Christmas season that I hadn't seen before attributed to C.S. Lewis, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. And as I worshiped with our congregation on the feast of Christmas, at each of our three services, my eyes were transfixed on that manger. Now, part of the reason, I think some of y'all know this, I wasn't here. So I was left to the devices of our live stream crew, which focuses on the sanctuary. And so it captured this manger as the centerpiece of the Christmas Eve services. And it was left there after the, the nativity pageant. I thought it might be here this morning. Some of y'all were pr probably wondering why I was going into the sacristy to get out the manger. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but that's not the most attractive image in a wedding picture. There was a wedding last night, so the manger was put up. And in the previous five, five Christmases when I've served, I think that it's been me that has picked up the manger either after the peace at the nativity or right after the service. I, I don't think it's been left out here. It's not. Whitney's nodding her head. I've picked it up and I've moved it into the, the sanctuary, into the sacristy. So my eyes became focused on something different this year, fixed on this simple manger in front of the altar. Now, I want us to think about the implications for the Eucharist. We always see the altar as a table. A table, this, and it's the symbol of, um, it's such a symbol of this congregation. A table is beautiful. We invite people to dine with us. We invite people to come to the table of the Lord, that prayer, to be nurtured, to be healed, to be reconciled. And there are positions of power at a table. It's why people are fighting with who can sit next to Jesus. It's why, in an act of defiance, my own son now takes the head of the table. Um, 
and we have our, our kitchen counter only seats three. There's four that live in our household. And so um, if we choose to have a meal at the dining room table, it's intentional. It's about inclusion and welcome. The table is tied to a decision. We want to be nourished together, which is interesting because this image is very different. The manger. It is a tool. And, and it's only by focusing on the utility of a manger that we can take eating to an extreme. There is no sharing. There is only being fed. It removes the equality because there is an assumption that there is one who has placed food in the trowel, one that is more important, one that is necessary for being sustained and fed that places food in the feeder so that we can be nourished. It is simple. It is the source of life. Once in a world, a manger had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. It's a very humbling image. We Episcopalians, we don't read um, Scripture line by line very often. We read our stories, the, the stories of Scripture that we hear on Sunday are in the pattern of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so today is the first Sunday in Christmas. And in the Episcopal Church, every single year, not just every three years, every year we hear John's prologue. And, and I think the, the focus is that reminder that the gift of Christmas, of God coming down, actually happened at the beginning of all time, that reminder that God has been with us through all things. And I don't know about you, but when I hear this scripture, different feelings emerge, these coexisting feelings that both of, of hope and a harsh reminder of the reality of what we've been through is this was the scripture that, that we used to help us process and grieve a year and a half ago. And yet this, this past week, I know I'm giving you all like probably more church history than you, than you are accustomed to. Um, but on, on December 26th is the Feast of St. Stephen. It's the day every year that, that we remember the martyrdom of Stephen. A harsh parallel to we know the cost of what it means to love and to, 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 to be with people. And then on December 28th is the Feast of Holy Innocence, which in the, the Episcopal Church is the commemoration of the children that were killed in Bethlehem because of Herod's fear of a threat to his power. A story, both stories, that seem to repeat over and over and over again as this story feels like it's very real to the story that's being lived out today. And I know that those are difficult stories to conjure up on a Sunday morning and I don't do it to draw attention to the pain of the world, but to preach to it. That we gather here, hopefully, because we always believe that there is a light shining in the darkness. And these parallels are a reminder that the world has always been broken. And until the completion of time will continue to be broken. And yet... Gathering here in hope is an act of defiance to that reality. 
believing that there is goodness and love and hope always breaking through. And maybe, in light of the image of the manger, a reminder not to fall into the trap of believing that power or privilege or grandeur is the response of faithfulness and a solution to the brokenness of the world, but instead, humility. I'm struck this Christmas on, I think, metaphorically, I look for answers to, to see this beautiful table and this welcome and this grandeur and this, this, this image of this world that has everything worked out. And instead, this reminder that a gift comes in the simplest of form. Because humility, humility is itself a gift for each of us. Because it sets us in right relationship with God the God who loves us and cares for us and seeks to restore us to the fullness of love. It means that we have to be fed. We can't make it through this, this narrative on our own. Our life is hopeless if it's left up to our own devices, right? I ran into someone last night from, from church, um, and, and what often happens if... if if I'm really distant from the church context, um, they, it, church then becomes, you know, I think maybe a try justification of why I, I see this person, you know, seeing somebody out at a, a, a music concert. And, and so they're, you know, John, I want to tell you, I just, I, I tell my children, I want them to go to church so that they can become the people the church wants them to become. And then they're trying to justify this. Like, you know, I'm not really worried about what they believe, but I, I believe. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. You don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to justify what you're saying. But it struck me, and as I was kind of reflecting on my sermon this morning, I, I wanted to, to bring this in there because I think it's important in context of this sermon. I mean, think about this. The reason you're here is not to become more perfect it's not to have some kind of moral high ground above other people. It's not to have all the right answers. I mean, we, we get some answers. But it's to become a humble and compassionate child of God. It's, it's about humility. You don't have to be anything more than yourself. Like, isn't that the greatest gift of Christmas? The human gift. That's all that God needs from us. And in that way, the kingdom is revealed. I mean, it's, it's the simple stuff, isn't it? A small child who believes they can change the world, a partner who forgives the hurt from a loved one, an uncle who drops his work to help a family out, a person who prepares a meal at a soup kitchen, a daffodil that breaks through weeks before others, a Christmas card, a thank you note, a text message, a visit in the hospital, a yes to a favor, a smile on a dark day. The world is transformed through simple, generous, humble acts. And I think, at least for me, I think many of us are waiting for this big grand wedding banquet where we have all of our religious answers before us. And instead on Christmas, we're given a manger. It's simple. It's humble. 
And once in our world, it was larger and bigger than the whole world. God comes to us in the simplest of humblest and humblest of ways to cast a light in the darkness. It is a reminder that all we have to do is offer ourselves to receive from the manger of God, the source of life, to be humbled, and to know that that is enough. Amen.